Let's go. Building up to the new season. The clock is ticking until the new season begins. This is the Go Radio Football Show. Well, the future at Rangers of Alfredo Morelos is uncertain. Manager Stephen Gerrard says he's heard all the noise about his goal machine leaving and admits he doesn't know whether Morelos wants to stay or go. Former Rangers defender Richard Foster, uh, what do you reckon? I've got no idea. <laughs> it seems it seems every every summer we come back and we're talking about whether Alfredo Morelos will still be at Rangers. I thought start of last season he was on his way out. He he looked a little disinterested, um, and then he obviously came on to a really good game and was doing really well for the team and obviously has great success. But now he's just I think is he still over in Colombia at the moment? I yeah, think. he's not back yet. Not back yet. So. You know, who knows? I mean, if their manager doesn't know, then <laughs> how can we possibly speculate? But it, it would be a loss for them, I think, if you were to go and you'd probably see them do a bit more business if, if you know, to replace them if, if they do lose them. And I don't think he wants that to dominate either uh, because Rangers full of optimism about the season ahead, having bolstered their squad and 25-point winners ahead of Celtic last time. And we're not far away from the big kickoff in the SPFL Premiership. Rangers still a couple of weeks away from their European opener for the season, uh, but it's been a really good week uh, for the three for three of Scotland's other Euro representatives. Celtic performed much better than their result. That one all draw with Michelin on Tuesday. Hibs and Aberdeen won last night, Richard, by a combined eight goals to one. <laughs> it's not often you say that. In no, it's not. It? No, it's great to see, I think... Um, I heard I heard interviews after the game last night, and and Andrew Constantine was talking about the impact of having fans back at Pataudry. Um and he was he was absolutely buzzing. And obviously, they, I think they were, I think you said they were maybe a bit rusty for the first first little period of the game. But then once they found their feet, they they went on to dominate the game. And um, you know, Hacking had a decent side, um, but Aberdeen obviously had too much for them. And in the other game, I think that was blighted by strange refereeing decisions, to say the least. But yeah. two positive results, and you can you can only see both those teams going through now. Yeah, it looks as if um, if Hibs get through and you would expect them to get through with three goals of an advantage from the first leg. They they play the, the, the Croatians, Rijeka, uh, who Aberdeen have come up against twice in the last few seasons. Uh, and that, that sounds like it'll be a toughie. Hibs would have to be hitting top form, you would yeah, imagine, in that one. I think one. They'll, they'll pose a far greater threat than, than the team they're, they're playing just now, with all respect. Um, but you know these are the these are the ties that you want to be involved in You're at clubs like Hibs and Aberdeen. You want to be playing in Europe and you want to be playing against good teams and good players. And um, you know it's I heard their manager talking um, after the game last night, and and you know they're looking forward to hopefully having a really good run in Europe because that sets you up well for the season. Yeah, um, Aberdeen if they get through when they get through surely with a five-one lead uh, from Pataudry last night. Well, it's still up up for grabs. I, I thought Austria Vienna would would win at home to Breda Bleak, the the Icelandic team, uh, but that one finished one-one. So that is still um, in the melting pot. Not sure how how good how good I mean, Austria Vienna are a name that we know uh, how good they are these days. Not too sure, but uh, Aberdeen certainly. Um, I was at the game last night and, t- and took my breath away I would have to say Richard as you say uh, first 20 minutes they looked like a team who'd only played some behind closed doors friendlies which was all it is against a team like Hakan in Sweden who won four of their last five they were bottom of the league but they're now mid-table they've taken some good scalps in the last few weeks as well a pretty talented looking squad some international players in there and they were absolutely blown away. Not just five goals for Aberdeen, but they probably had another four or five really good chances to score as well. So Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all positive. I think um, it was important for, for Stephen Glass and Aberdeen to 
to kind of get off to a good start and you know they couldn't have got off to a better start to be honest you know they've, they've made a few changes personnel kind of the structure um, and obviously the management team and stuff and and so far everything you hear coming out of Aberdeen is good um, the players are seem to buy into what Stephen Glass wants them to do um, there's a good vibe in the dressing room I hear um, everyone's getting on really well and you know, don't forget, in Scott Brown, they've signed someone who's been over the course in these European games and knows what it's all about. And he's a winner and he's he's a leader. Um, and I think, you know, that he'll be, he, he could possibly be a huge influence on the, the younger, you know, maybe like the McCrory's and the uh, Lewis Ferguson's, for example, um, who apparently had a really good game last night as well. So, yeah. um, you know, you could probably already start to see Scott Brown's influence on the on the midfield of Aberdeen. Do you still have a mole inside Pataudry to give you some intel? <laughs> Uh, no, I still speak to Andrew Constantine now and again, but um, he's uh, he's very tight-lipped. I don't know, I don't know the day-to-day working, but I, I just hear that it's um, it's it's all positive. You know, like I say, I think they've got a really good group of players, and they seem to be kind of gelling really well at the moment, and um, you know, en- enjoying working with the new management team. That was um, without Declan Gallagher, of course, last night. He was his Motherwell European suspension carried over, so he he missed the game. Uh, which meant that uh, Ross McCrory played alongside uh, Andy Considine in the in the central defence. But as you say, I mean Scott Brown, the it was just quiet authority. That that was what his game was all about. He just he just dropped in beside in between the two centre backs and just controlled that area. And it just gives freedom to the to the creative players further forward. Yeah, I mean his game. You know when he he kind of first came, Scott and I are the same age. And when he first came through, he was high energy. He was a right winger. He was kind of all blood and thunder tackling and you know kind of driving his team forward in terms of of his energy on the pitch and his quality on the pitch and then he slowly kind of built himself into one of those midfielders that you don't you know if you if you think of what Scott Brown done today you you probably can't remember a a glorious pass or or an amazing shot or a run where he beats three players but he controls games he controls the tempo games he's defensively he's very good he sits in front of the back four. He's he's intelligent in terms of his his positioning. Um, he picks up second balls. He intercepts the ball. He's he's a guy in the team that you need. Um, if you want to have any kind of control in the game, he's that guy that you need to 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 win the ball back and then and kind of allow the the more expressive players around them to to go and do their thing, which certainly seemed to be the case last night. Richard Foster, Rob McLean on the Go Radio Football Show Friday. It is, I believe, uh, the weekend beckons. Lots of football coming up. We'll speak to Richard about a big game for the Jags on Sunday uh, in Paisley against St Mirren. 0808 17 17 700 if you want to join the football chat. Go, uh, text go and your message to 87474 on the socials at Go Football Show. On a day that Rangers manager Stephen Gerrard admitted uh, the future at the club of Alfredo Morelos is uncertain. He's still to come back to Ibrox, as we said at the top of the show, after Copa America duty with uh, Colombia. And of course, there's been lots of talk about a move to Porto. From me, we, we want the best version of Alfredo. That's all we've ever asked for. The manager, the players, the fans, that's all we've ever asked for. I've read a lot of stuff around Alfredo. I know where it's coming from. I don't know what's going to happen with him. Two years left on his contract at Rangers. He scored 94 goals in four seasons. Um, he's going to be a big loss if he goes, uh, no matter how you look at it, really. He was signed for a million pounds from HJK Helsinki. Uh, 17 goals in all competitions last season. Uh, there's been interest from China at times. There was talk of Lille in France, but uh, certainly the Porto chat uh, won't go away. 
Um, he, he said today, in addition to that quote, I, I get asked this question every window because you read more about Alfredo in terms of who he's linked with or where he's possibly going rather than talk about what he does on the pitch. I'm not frustrated. I'm very happy we're just off the back of a fantastic season and I'm so excited for the new season. So it is chat that he, would, he could do without, um, I guess. Uh, and when he says he knows where it's all coming from, I guess we're talking Alfredo's agent, are we? Um, I would assume so. Um, you don't know for definite, but that certainly seems to be the case. I mean, like you say, if you if you were to try and list the, the, the clubs that he's been linked with since he came to Rangers, then you'd be there a long time trying to write them all down. Um, some of it is obviously legitimate because of the, the goals he scored and the performance he puts in, and some of it will be his agent trying to tout him for a move, um, which is the, the way these things seem to happen um, at the moment. But it's... I suppose it's it will be just a bit of an annoyance for Steven Gerrard because if if your player wants to be with you and I think he obviously hinted at that when he he says we want the best version of Alfredo Morelos so they don't want him back if he's unfit if he's overweight if he's not interested in being at Rangers because you're then a, you know you're, you're a player light and you could you could bring someone in especially with the success they had last season the you know Champions League qualifiers coming up you could bring someone in who's going to really fight for his place and and add something to your team which Morelos has done of course. Um, but I don't know. It just seems like he's 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 almost at the end of his tether with the home Morelos thing. And if it was a case of right, that's it. He's he's going to Porto. It'll probably be a case of well, let's let's get back in the transfer market and try and find a replacement. But either way, he's gonna. I would imagine he's gonna go for more than the one million they paid for him. So um, all in all, it'll be a good bit of business. There are other people that can play that position at the club. Kemar Roof has uh, sometimes played through the middle. Uh, Cedric Eaton is there. They they can shuffle things around, but there's probably not much doubt that they would have to replace him just in terms of that volume of goals. When you when you look at 94 over four seasons, that that's a that's a goal machine, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think you know we played um, we played Rangers pre-season there, and, and Kemar Roof was they came on in the second half, um, and he was very impressive. You know, very difficult to play against. Good movement. He's strong. He's quick. Did he play central? He played central. Um, and he, but he kind of he likes to drift. You know, I mean, Morelos does the same. But I agree with you. They do need to replace his goals. And if you are, if you're at club like Rangers and you're fighting, you know, in Europe, in the cups, in the league, you need to have a depth of squad. So you would need, you would, you would probably want them to go with four recognised strikers. So if they lose Morelos, they would certainly need to replace him. So we're talking about uh, Rangers, we're talking about uh, Celtic uh, as well. Um, all sorts of chat about further uh, transfers to be done. Uh, Leal Abada made a massive impact, didn't he, uh, in the match against Michelin Tuesday night, getting that all-important opening goal. Then came the, the red card, but uh, the 19-year-old Israeli has been a good capture. Uh, others on the way, Carl Starfelt, the Swedish international uh, defender from Ruben Kazan, uh, still not here, not available to Celtic as yet. Same goes for Kyogo Furuhashi, the, the Japanese international striker. Sounds like he's going to be uh, an exciting addition to what Celtic have got, but uh, he's not here either. Yeah, you know, that's probably the one area where we are chipping away and probably we haven't had the visible results. I mean, we, we've signed, obviously, Leal Abada, who came in and had a fantastic day but you know we've signed Carl Starfelt and, and Kyogo Furuhashi but they're not in here at the moment you know that's the challenges of, of the world we live in so uh frustrating time for Ange Postacoglu uh speaking there um 
I mean, Celtic are, have put themselves under a lot of pressure, haven't they, by by not being ready for this point in the season, um, which I, I think comes around on an annual basis. It does. Um, yeah, obviously there was a bit of stagnation from them. You know, after Neil Lennon left, they, they didn't really do much. I think they had, you know, it seemed to be, for all intents and purposes, Eddie Howe was going to take over. Then for whatever reason, he decided he didn't want it. Um but I, th- you know, I would imagine that if you were Celtic, you'd have appreciated if he decided that a few months beforehand. Um, and then and Postecoglou's came in, and he seems to, you know, he's he's kind of fighting fl- flames with holes in his bucket. You know, he's 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 miles behind. They were miles behind Rangers last season. They seem to be miles behind in terms of being able to sign players that they can get here right now and get into training and get part of the squad. Um, and it just seems like he's he's. You know, he's fighting an uphill battle already, which is not really what you want when you're a Celtic manager. But what I do like is I like his honesty and I like the, I like the unknown. You know, the players he's brought in, I don't know a lot about them. And I like that fact. I like the fact that they're going to come in and with all respect, a lot of Celtic players won't know a lot about them. Um, and yes, there's always that worry that are they going to be you know good enough for Celtic? Are they going to be able to produce on a weekly basis? But I think the manager himself has had a good record. Um you know, anyone you, that speaks about him speaks about him highly. Um, he's good with players. He motivates players. So it'll be interesting to see once he gets all the players over here that he wants, and once he allows them to, you know, once they're allowed to train with the group for a while. Um, but until then, it's it's kind of on a knife edge at the moment. I mean, they played really well against Michelin, but they've they've only drawn the game one each. Yeah. Um, Did you see much of the game? I never see much of the game, but it's it's you know, you go you're at home in Europe, and you you play that well. You need to be taking a lead with you. Um, and I think like I said, it just makes it on a knife edge and it makes it unsure and it makes the Celtic uh, fans nervous the players might be a bit nervous and I just you know you look at the Rangers squad and I know they always compare them and they've got characters in their squad we talk about Scott Brown having a character in the squad you look at Celtic and I don't see those same personalities now granted these guys that come in might be that I don't know but the ones that are already there you don't really see that Callum McGregor apart different type of captain He's a different type of captain to Scott Brown, but I just think you need, you know, the big clubs, you need big players, the big personalities that are going to welcome everybody in, get everybody together, um, create a real kind of squad environment. Now, I'm not saying that Callum McGregor can't do that and the other players there, the James Forrest, can't do that, but from the outside looking in, you don't really see that standout. You don't see the Scott Brown, you know, and you don't really see the, the replacement for Scott Brown um, in terms of that presence in the dressing room who can kind of galvanise players together. So... If I was a Celtic fan, I'd be frustrated. Um, I'd be very nervous. At the the prospect of, you know, these players, that they've signed not being here, and obviously not having signed enough players yet. What was frustrating, obviously, about uh, Tuesday night was the fact that I think they produced a performance that that pleasantly surprised everyone because of what had gone before it, the the fairly shaky build up uh, to it in terms of personnel available. Um, but then Neil Beaton got himself. Got himself sent off for a, for a, for a moment of madness, and he having been brought into the defence as the experienced campaigner to try and help some of the youngsters through. Yeah, and I mean we've seen that from from Beaton before. I think he got sent off and was in an old front game. game. Yeah, um, so he obviously has that in his in his psyche and his makeup. Um, and like you say, if he's the one that's kind of in there as the the experienced head, it's not very not great for the youngsters having to learn. Um, essentially, you know, when once he goes off the pitch, they're they're out there on their own really. So it was. It was good that they put in the performance they did, of course, but you know already you're at competitive games. These the performances, 
I mean, if you were to say to a Celtic fan, you're going to play great all season, but you're going to win nothing. I don't think they're going to be happy at all. So, yes, it's great that they probably surprised a few people. I think Ryan Christie played really well, which yeah. he'd lost a bit of form over in uh, last season. Um, so that's that's encouraging signs for Celtic. But they need to turn already, and I know it's early doors, but they need to turn these performances into wins. Otherwise, they're not going to have any success this season. I was going to ask you if you're in good shape for Sunday, but I, I noticed you've kicked away that chair in the studio and you're now you're now standing up. I, I was just hoping you weren't going to pick up an injury ahead of that League Cup game in Paisley on Sunday <laughs> well, because Ian McCall would make my life a misery if you were ruled out for, for an injury in this studio. Well, if he was, well, if you were watching the last two minutes of our game on, on Tuesday, I don't think he would be because I nearly lobbed my own goalkeeper from oh, really? Oh, wow. <laughs> so so he was probably, he's probably hoping I do pick up an injury so he doesn't need to play me. No, it was, um, I had a wee moment of madness, but thankfully the goalkeeper took one in the face from the resulting um, indirect free kick and <laughs> we, we uh, managed to win the game 2-0 and, and not concede so I was I was glad for that but yeah um, I'm, I'm kind of I'm ready to go for Sunday it's, these games are good you know it's on the TV it's against a, a premiership side um, and it's exciting because we need to go and win and um, obviously them being the, the premiership side they'll want to win the game as well Lots of uh, League Cup chat to come uh, about some uh, big games across the weekend which will decide who goes through to the last 16 and, and who doesn't we'll speak uh, more about the Rangers squad. Uh, we've spoken about Alfredo Morelos. Uh, what about that uh, Tavernier-Patterson uh, dilemma for Stephen Gerrard, but getting, potentially getting both in the team at one stage this season? Um, and the story continues for Ange Postecoglou at Celtic as well. A couple of signings in, um, but quite a few in transit. A tough start to the season. The Go Radio Football Show. Talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. For a Friday with Rob McLean and Richard Foster. Uh, looking back, looking forward as well. And just before the break there, we were uh, speaking about St Mirren against Partick Thistle, one of the standout ties in the Premier Sports Cup at the weekend. We're all getting our heads around uh, the new name for the League Cup competition, of course. Uh, these are the fixtures. Tomorrow, Sterling Albion against Peter Head. Our both play Kelty Hearts. Uh, East Fife against Elgin. Dundee, Forfar, Ross County, Montrose. Livingston, Cowden, Beath, Wraith Rovers, Alloa. Hamilton against Albion Rovers. Motherwell, Annan. Queen of the South Airdrie. Greenock, Morton against Clyde. Kilmarnock plays Stranraer, that's where I'll be tomorrow. Dunfermline against Stenhouse Muir. And uh, we will both be in Paisley on Sunday. <laughs> uh, Richard has to because he's playing St Mirren against Partick Thistle. And the other game Sunday is Hearts against Inverness. And I think after that game is the draw for the last 16. Air United are the latest club to have gone through to the knockout phase of the competition after Falkirk had to forfeit another tie because of COVID it's becoming a little bit tiresome isn't it uh, the constant disruptions and the games that we've lost in that competition already Dundee United and Hearts are already through uh, Dundee are all but through and I think I'm right in saying Richard that uh, St Mirren just need a point against your team on Sunday to make yep. it through yeah they do I think um, we need to win the game and hope Dunfermline lose against Stenhouse Muir or we need to win the game by a substantial margin to for a goal difference to be better than St Mirren and um, or Dunfermline but how, how are Partick Thistle at the moment what am I going to see on Sunday from you guys um, I think we're, we're we're very very close to being um, at kind of top form we controlled the game against Dunfermline for 70 minutes of the match and then had the crazy 50 minutes beyond the first half and, and 5 minutes in the second half where we lost the 4 goals um, and credit to Dunfermline they, they took their chances really well but 
you know, we, we knocked the ball about well. We've got good rotation in midfield. Um, we've got Brian Graham and Zach Rudden up top who cause cause defensive problems. So I think we'll, you know, you'll hopefully see a relatively attacking um, Partick Thistle. Uh, we'll kind of, we're not, you know, we, we try and pass the ball as much as we can, but we're not averse to going back to front when it's on. Um, and, you know, we'll try and kind of pressure St Mirren as much as we can and get the ball back and, 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 and put them under pressure basically because we need, like I said before, we you've need got, to win the game. Yeah, you've got to go for it. Yeah. You've got to go for it. And you? yeah, you know, you, you go for the game and you, you lose 3 2, 4 2, something like that. I would rather do that than kind of just try and sit in and lose 1 0 and you go or draw in the game and you go anyway. So um, I think it's, you've probably got, it's a weird thing to say, especially for a defender, but you've probably got to expect that St. Murden are going to score in the game because of the quality that they do have. So, you know, that means then we need then to score two goals, at least two goals. So we'll see how it goes. And hopefully, like I say, we'll, we'll know all the, the results from Saturday. So we'll mm-hmm. know exactly what we need to do by the time Sunday rolls around. Um, so that'll th- make things a little bit clearer. But we've got one of our young guys is out on loan at Stainhouse from your James Lyon. So so maybe he can do us a turn on the Saturday and yeah. take some points off Dunfermline. That's true. I've, I've started uh, my research for the game. Some people will be uh, laughing at the very prospect of me doing research for the game. But uh, no, I have done. And I think I might have my new favourite player favourite player's name uh, that I've discovered Gospel Ocoli it's a cracking name and he's actually he's a great little guy um, he's always got a smile on his face um, he's, he's very quiet um, but good player very good very sharp and he's come through the Thistlewear Academy he's come through the Academy yeah he says to me the other day he's like oh, Fuzz, do you hate me and I says no Says, but I hate that bloody step over you keep doing <laughs> every time. He's so fast, he changes direction so quickly that if you're not kind of, if you're not on your metal, that you, you know, he just kind of ghosts past you, and he's got good quality once he once he gets by you. So, kind of definitely one for the future, I think. But um, but he's 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 a good he's a good guy. He's he's got a great attitude. Wants to work hard. Wants to learn. Asks questions of the of the manager and older players how to develop his game and stuff like that. And um, he's but that's that seems to be a theme with the players that come through from the, the, the Thistlewear Academy that they've they've got their heads screwed on. You know they're not they don't think they've made it because they've just kind of graduated into the first team. The three we've got play uh, train with us regularly: Gospel, Billy Owens, and and James Lyon, as I mentioned. You know, the three of them have got their heads screwed on and, and they're hard working and, and they want to learn. So the academy is is beginning to bear fruit, yes? It certainly seems so. And then the, the next the next batch are the group that I'm gonna be um working with um starting in, uh, next month. Um and what I've seen them training, I've seen them in games and, and thus far and good technically very, very good. Um and you know, good attitude, I think. I think the the Scott Allison, the head of the, the, the youth um the, the head of the academy basically he He's he tries to bring in a certain type of player and, and coach a certain type of player through into the you know getting them into the first team and you know you, you need players who are going to work hard you need players who are going to listen and you need players who don't think they've already made it because they've got into the first team squad it's then up to them to go and show that they should be in the first team you know in the starting eleven and, and like I say the three that we've got already and the kind of next batch that look like they're going to come through certainly seem to be that kind of player. An interesting quote today from uh, Ian McCall's opposition manager on Sunday, Jim Goodwin, who has said today, uh, we will not be shafted by anybody uh, after confirming that uh, St Mirren have rejected offers for Jamie McGrath and Conor McCarthy, uh, the manager responding to reports that Wigan Athletic had offered £300,000 for midfielder McGrath and Rotherham United 100000 for defender 
McCarthy both have a year left on their contract. Jim Goodwin said, we need to be strong in the market and I'm glad to say the board are showing some strength in years gone by. I think sometimes we've just accepted the first offer that came in. I think he was pointing to the situations where John McGinn uh, left uh, to go to Hibs and then Aston Villa and Kenny McLean went to Aberdeen before going to, to Norwich and I think the implication from him um, was that they'd gone for relative pennies in terms of what they're worth. So clearly uh, he wants the club to to hold out and get a, a realistic price for these guys if they are going to go. Yeah, of course you do. Um, you know, you don't want to lose your best players for, for kind of knockdown prices, if you will, just because they play in Scotland. But at the same time, you know, 100,000, 300,000, that's, that's a lot of money for, for clubs in Scotland. Now, it's good that the, the, the board have obviously said, no, you know, we're in a financially stable enough position that we don't need to accept those offers. But every player at any club has a, has a price, you know, and if if these other teams meet that price, then I would imagine the board will just will agree to it and then it would be up to the player if he wants to leave. But it's um, it's difficult with the teams in Scotland because there's not a lot of finances, especially after what's happened, you know, the, mm. the kind of year that everyone's had. So it's a difficult place to be in, but here's here's hoping that it causes a bit of disruption for Sunday. Yeah. And they're not really fully focused on the game. Um, I'm sure Jim Goodwin will have them. Have them. Um, you know, he'll definitely have them up for the game. But you never know. You never know if, if sometimes when players' heads get turned, um, you know, they maybe kind of ease off the, the throttle a little bit, and um, and hopefully that's the case Sunday. It's a difficult decision, isn't it? I mean, there, there's talk about Ethan Erahon as well, who's home produced. He's come through the the Saint Mirren. Academy, there, there, there's talk of interest. I think Barnsley were mentioned uh, as showing an interest in him. He's 20 and he's got a real potential about him. But but the two Irishmen, McCarthy and, and McGrath, uh, both got a year left on their deal. And it, and it is, it, you know, these things are so important, aren't they, in terms of making the right call? Do you uh, think, well, let's get another good season out of someone like McGrath, who was their top scorer, of course, yeah. last season? Or do you cash in now because you, you think that? You know you're going to get a decent price. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one, and I, I think most managers, you know, I think Jim Goodwin will certainly be thinking, you know, if we can keep him for another year, you know, then that would be more beneficial to St Mirren as a club. You know, I I, I don't know, I'm not in that position, but you think of from from a football side, you want to keep him. If that means down the line you maybe lose him to, a, you know, you lose him for nothing, or you lose him for a smaller bid because he's he goes on to have another great season, then you as a club have benefited from that great season so it is a difficult one and and you know but I would imagine managers want to keep the best players for as long as possible if if the player does eventually want to leave then whether he's got a year left in his deal or three years left in his deal if if, if he wants to leave that badly there will come a point where either the club say yeah on you go or, or a bid will come in so I think it's just if, if the player's happy at the moment and he's only got a year left um, and he's he, you know probably the next step and here's me being his agent but the next step would be for someone to say right well we want we want to keep you here's an improved contract here's mm. another contract and that will then maybe fend off any kind of bids that are going to come in but if if that doesn't happen then McGrath McCarthy might be going well how how much does someone want to keep me because I've got these offers coming in they've not offered me and you so then that might then they might then decide you know what it's probably time for us to go but I, if I was Jim Goodman I'd want to keep them both at the club for as long as possible just to, to get their quality on the pitch you touched on Ryan Christie earlier on and obviously there's another player much higher profile than the two we've been talking about with a big question mark hanging over his head at the moment. Uh, and I guess the Celtic fans, uh, there were 9,000 of them in on Tuesday night. Lots would have been uh, watching the, the stream and the, the coverage of it uh, and thinking, 
is this Ryan Christie who's going to be back to his best for Celtic this season? Or is this Ryan Christie showing the world what he can do uh, and a move is going to happen sooner or later? Um, yeah, well, that is that is the question. Um, I think on his form last season, I don't think he would be, you know, garner as much attention as he, as he possibly could with the ability he has. But obviously, if it looks like he's back to back to the kind of Ryan Christie that the Celtic fans have seen before and know what he's about. But I just, for someone like Ryan Christie, he's, he's obviously a Scottish player. I don't, I don't see why you'd be in a hurry to leave a club like Celtic. You know, at Celtic, you win things. Um, you're involved in the latter stages of most competitions most of the time. You know, you're involved in European football. If they win the league this year, they go straight into the Champions League group stages for the following season. So, for me, yes, people will talk about the money, but it's hardly like he's, you know, he's on a pittance at Celtic, and they'll maybe talk. Yeah, he might want to go and play in the Premiership and, and test his ability down there. But in my opinion, being at Celtic and playing in these European competitions and playing and and winning trophies is is better than being at a mid-table Premiership club. And now that's only my opinion, and people will say that I'm, I'm, a, I'm mental for thinking that. But you know, as a football player. I think you want to win things, you want to achieve things, and I think he's more chance of doing that at Celtic than he does unless he goes to one of the top teams in England. I think uh, Andrew Postacoglu comes across as, as quite a confrontational character, quite a, li- a likeable yeah. character, but but certainly I think up front, very Australian in that respect maybe. Um, and and he's got a reputation for, for rebuilding players sometimes, you know, who he thinks have got something, uh, and he can help them along the way. Um, but if you don't play it his way, then then you're out. He, you know, if if you're not with him in the long run, then he doesn't want anything more t- to do with you. Which is understandable. You know, you, you you want players who want to play for you, who want to play for the club, who want to make the club successful. You don't want players who are just in it to make themselves successful and get themselves a good move. Now, you know, if you if you're playing at Celtic, for example, you're Ryan Christie, you're playing at Celtic, and you go on and win the league next year, and you're successful in some of the, the competitions. Now you're going, people are going to notice. People are going to see that you've had a great season. You've scored 10, 15 goals. People are going to see you anyway. Now it's much, you know, or if you Celtic have another season like they did last year, how many how many clubs are we going to go and Celtic go? Oh, we'll take him. He scored three goals this season. Well, no assists. We'll take him. They're not. That's not going to happen. So I think if the manager's opinion, you know, the way he works is is correct. You know, you play for me. We're successful, and you'll get the move if that is what you want to do in the future. I don't know if you got a chance to see the Michelin goal <laughs> um, against Celtic on, on Tuesday night, but but it was a bad one for for Vasilis Barkas. It was um, effectively a short corner. It was just a few yards from the byline out on the left hand side. Um, it was fired in with a with a lot of pace on it, but he seemed to pull his gloves away from it, and and it was just yet another moment for for the Celtic fans to think: Is this the guy for us? Is he the man for us? Because really. Um, you know, there's not a save that you can look back on. I think he's played about 23 times for Celtic and there's not really a save you can hang your hat on um, as there he is, there's a top-class goalkeeper. It's a real concern for Celtic and they might just have to bite the bullet and reckon they don't have a keeper who's going to be good enough to help them challenge Rangers for the title and get them where they want to get in Europe as well. No, and and that's the thing. It's and it'll be ex- an expensive bullet to bite. You know, I think it was five million he cost. Yeah. Now you know, I, when players are going through hard times, it's up to the, the management team around them to to try and build them back up. And as you talked about, Postecoglou, he's got a great 
way about him that he could possibly do that. But there comes a point if if Bakas is simply not good enough goalkeeper to play at the level of Celtic, then they have to look elsewhere. But you talk about that, and everyone kind of spoke um, so highly last year of Alan McGregor, mm. um, and rightly so because he was excellent for for you know the in the entire season. But Rangers were extremely dominant. They dominated games. They dominated possession. They never gave up many chances. But McGregor still had to make probably 10 top-class saves. You know, the one in Europe that we talked about was behind him. Mm. A few in the... One from Lee Griffiths and one of the old yeah. firm games. He made the top saves. So even the top teams who dominate need the goalkeeper to be doing that. And like you say, you can't think of any that Barkas has made. And in fact, it's the complete opposite. Barkas is letting goals where you're thinking a good goalie saves that. So it's it's definitely... And in terms of if being a defender, if you have no confidence in your goalkeeper behind you, it makes you nervous. And that just... That's what we've seen last year that they filtered through the whole squad and especially at set pieces that they looked like they were all over the place and no one knew what they were doing. Richard Foster and Rob McLean talking football till six. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. With Rob McLean and Richard Foster, we're rattling through the hour, the 60 minutes that we have of football chat at the moment. Um, and the big story today, or one of the big stories at least, is that uh, the future Rangers of Alfredo Morelos is looking increasingly uncertain. Uh, manager Stephen Gerrard uh, confessing that he doesn't know whether he's going to stay or go. Lots happening on the rumour machine front as well. Celtic being linked with Moritz Jens, uh, an ex-Fulham defender, plays right-back, centre-back, currently with Lausanne in Switzerland. I think if I was in Lausanne in Switzerland, I'd probably stay there, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Uh, also being linked with Ko Itakura, who is with Japan at the Olympics. Uh, he's a 24-year-old centre-back, and he's back at Manchester City after a loan spell at uh, Groningen. And it was interesting to listen to Ange Postecoglou earlier in the week on the back of uh, that one-all draw with uh, Mitchell and uh, talking about Celtic being very much underprepared for what was coming at them, uh, but taking a lot of it on himself as well. We'll be better prepared, no doubt, in eight days' time than we... In fact, I don't think we'll ever be as badly prepared, and that's on me, as we were tonight going into such an important game. So with that eight more days, I feel confident that with preparation we got and the spirit that's in the rooms, we'll give a good performance. Yeah, not eight more days now, of course. That was him talking after the game about the second leg in Denmark against Michelin. And I think if Celtic perform as they did in the first game uh, in the east end of Glasgow, uh, then they will go through, which will be uh, terrific. But it was interesting. It, it, it struck me, I don't know if you remember him just a few days beforehand, pointing the finger effectively at others inside the club for, for not getting things moving uh, towards games that everyone knew were, were coming around. Um, he seemed to be taking it on himself there. I'm, I'm not sure he can be accepting too much responsibility himself because, relatively speaking, he's just in the door. Yeah, I, th I think um, you know the, the players that he has, I think he needs to get them to a level to to be ready to play in these games. I think that's that's probably the onus is on him, certainly. Of course, he is. He's the head coach. Um, in terms of get the squad that he has to work with, they need to, if he's going to change the style of their play, um, he needs to work on these things. He needs to try and obviously get them as fit as possible. I mean, nothing replicates games like games themselves, of course. But So the players that are there, I certainly think that's that's probably on him and that's maybe what he was meaning. But I think when in terms of... of Kind of targets not coming in or taking so long. I I don't think he can be 
you know held responsible for that because that's you know he'll probably identify targets that he wants and then it's out with his control to to see who um you know, I, I don't even know who it is it's <laughs> at the moment. Um, I'm sure a lot of Celtic fans don't know either who is mm. in charge of bringing these guys in. And I think that was one of the things I can remember being on the show here before and one of the things the Celtic fan, fans wanted was clarity and they wanted to be kept informed and I, I don't think they've got that thus far. I may, I may be wrong, um, but it certainly seems like you know, no one really knows what's going on behind the scenes and, and obviously the manager's at the focal point of that and he has to answer the questions, but um, he's certainly got at least one hand tied behind his back at the moment. Yeah, and we're, we're talking massive money, aren't we? We're talking really big financial rewards at this stage of the season. If you can get across these hurdles, um, it's it's really you know Celtic pride themselves on a on a healthy looking balance sheet. This can make a difference. Yeah, it can, and I think you know the things that shock me is they've yet to identify a target or or sign a replacement for for Ayer. Now Ayer's been wanting to leave for six months. So it's it's been in the, in the works. So you, you know that coming in, and or the, the guys who are already there before uh, Postecoglou comes in, they know that he's likely to be leaving. He's probably been linked to clubs. He's probably speaking to clubs. So you should already have a, a plan in place as to what's going to happen. But it's, it seems like right, Christopher Christian Iyer, uh, Christopher Iyer, sorry, is away. Thirteen point five million. Oh no, right. Um, oh, we better go and look for somebody to replace him. Now I know you've said they've been linked with the guy from from uh, Lausanne, uh, Jens. And they've linked with someone else who's a defender, and, and but they need to get these guys in quickly yeah. because at the moment they're very very light, especially in defence, which is one of the the areas they struggled with most last season. And it's not fair on guys like like Welsh to come in and, yeah. and be the main centre half at a club like Celtic. He needs to learn his trade alongside some experience. And and as we've seen, putting near beat on um, in, beside him, who's a, a centre midfielder. Let's be honest, that's not the answer. He needs Welsh needs to play with a really experienced sent a half beside him and that'll bring his game on because right now it's too much to ask for him to be the main the main centre half yeah and when we he went off uh, near beat on I mean it was pretty damaging because it meant they sacrificed Lee Labada who'd, who'd scored the goal and was looking really lively for them uh, he was the guy taken off as, as they put on another defender and the other defender was 18 year old Dane Murray um, who looks really he's a tall lad he looks really promising he's composed as a defender but you want to be Feeding him in gradually to the team, don't you? You want to be, you don't want to be having him alongside Stephen Welsh as your central defence in a big European tie. No, and I've said this, and, and it works both ways. I think with over the course of a season, you're not going to get the same level of consistency with young players um, as you do with more experienced players. That's just um, you know because they're still learning their trade. Of course they are, but also at a club like Celtic to go into a European tie and that's your your main two centre halves. It's it's not fair on them because. You know, think of you. You know, you come in as an eighteen-year-old defender and you make a mistake, and still get knocked out of the, you know, of Europe, and it's because of your mistake. That's a lot for a young player. To, now, yes, if you want to go and play at Celtic, you need to be big enough and brave enough and bold enough to take these these pressures on board and go and play. But you need to you need to do that with maybe a little bit of experience beside you because I think I think Ralston played right back. I think yeah. Taylor played left back. So the the back four was very very inexperienced in terms of that level of football. And I, th I just think that the Celtic youngsters, the kids, they, they deserve more. They deserve more experience in beside them. So they've got a, as good a chance as, as they possibly can to, you know, to go on and progress in their career. I'm interested to get your thoughts on this one. Um, the Tavernier-Patterson dilemma. 
Um, you just wondered how Steven Gerrard was going to deal with that in the coming season. Would uh, would Nathan Patterson maybe be sent out on loan for the first half of the season to get some to get some game time, or is he too valuable to Rangers to have him anywhere other than uh, the training ground, uh, the uh, the Hamill training ground? Uh, James Tavernier can could James Tavernier play further forward? Could there be a reshaping of the team, or is Stephen Gerrard just going to stick with what he's always done that four three three that he seldom uh, veers away from? Uh, this was his comment during the week. Yeah, we're going to consider it because they're two really good players, but it's not going to happen at the flick of a switch. You know, it's something we're going to have to work on and train, and we'll have to get them used to it. Um, the two fantastic players, so I can't have one of them on the bench for every game of the season. That's for sure. There'll be times when it'll suit us, there'll be times when I don't need it, but it is something that is on my mind and it is something that we're going to experiment with. It was an interesting quote, that, wasn't it? I can't have one of them on the bench for every game this season. If he'd said, I can't have Patterson on the bench for every game this season, that would be understandable. That shows you how much, how forward he is in Gerard's thinking about who's knocking on the door to get into that team. Yeah, of course. And I think, you know, we've seen, you know, we've only seen him fleetingly at the Euros, which is, was a shame in my opinion. Um, but we've seen the quality he brings. I watched him play an old firm game, and he was the best player on the pitch. Um, he stepped into to James Tavernier's position. You know, when you're looking at the best right back in the country, who scores, you know, fifteen plus goals and gets as many assists, and Patterson comes in, and the Rangers don't look any less of a threat. They don't look any less dangerous. They don't look any more vulnerable at the back. So that shows you the quality that Patterson clearly has, and he's a lot younger, so he's still got a lot more time to develop. But it is an interesting one. How do you how do you fit them both in the in the team? Do you do you go with, you know, play three at the back and play Tavernier as the right side of a three and Patterson ahead of him or vice versa? Um, it has to be some change of shape. I think so. I think it's it's, you know, I, I think when you hear the manager say that that he, obviously he sees Patterson. We've all seen Tavernier for, for for a number of years, so we know his quality much better. But when he's he's seeing Patterson every day in training and he realizes. I've got a player who's too good, even at the age he is, to be on the bench. He needs to be playing games. But not only that, he needs to be playing games for Rangers. So it's how they how they fit that in. But I think we've, we've I've seen in a couple of games, I think the Aberdeen Cup game, we've seen that Tavernier could probably uh, play his trade as a forward. So maybe he'll just get stuck up front and, and Patterson come in at right back. But it's it would be a big a big change for Rangers to, to move away from a 4-3-3, I think, because it was so successful for them last season. It's an interesting uh, dilemma, isn't it, for, for Rangers? Um, also, I mean, how many central defenders do they have now with, with Nikola Katic back fit? I mean, there are reports uh, circulating in Croatia and in Italy that uh, that he might be loaned out. Um, it, from what he's saying, I don't think that's what he wants. He wants to, to try and get himself back in the, the Rangers team. Um, but when you start going through them, there are a lot of central defenders um, on Rangers' books. Yeah, and a lot of good quality. And I think, but that's what you need. That's what you need to be successful when you're, like I said before earlier in the show, when you're you're trying to be successful in three, four competitions. You need depth of squad. You need you need the players who come in to not take any quality away from the players that were already there. And that's what, certainly what they had last year, as we spoke about Patterson. We spoke about it. I think Goldson was ever present, and then the Holander came in beside him, and others came in beside him, and they never, you know, the way Rangers played never changed. The quality never dropped, and I think that's important. Now what? Steven Gerrard done very well last season was obviously keeping them all happy because everybody looked ready to play. Everybody looked like they really wanted to play for Rangers. And that's, I suppose, that's the, the dilemma that he has with having a, such a big squad and having the depth that he's got. They can all play and they probably all think they should be playing and it's just how he works it. But I think 
now they've probably got about was it five or six they've got if everyone's fit centre back so you probably will look at a couple of them going out on loan but you know again with the Ryan Christie thing why why would you want to be loaned out from Rangers you want to be at Rangers you want to play for Rangers you want to play in Europe so um, it'll be interesting to see what he does um, but I would imagine at some point some of the centre halves will have to go out and loan at some place it's a massive squad that's for sure in uh, sharp contrast uh, to what Celtic have got at the moment uh, let's finish with the story we started with just in case you missed it at the top of the show uh, the big story is how much longer will Alfredo Morelos be part of that Rangers squad from me we, we want the best version of Alfredo that's all we've ever asked for the manager, the players, the fans, that's all we've ever asked for. I've read a lot of stuff around Alfredo. I know where it's coming from. I don't know what's going to happen with him. Yeah, I mean, in the past, Steven Gerrard has has, has said um, he's going nowhere, he's my player. You can ignore all that. That's a different message, isn't it? It's almost like it's out of his hands at the moment. Yeah, he, he just seems that he's exasperated. You know, it's it's like, yes, we're... We're not talking about the success of Rangers. We're not talking about the, how good they were last season or what they're going to do this season or the games coming up this season. We're talking about where Alfredo Morelos is going to go. It's a, it's a story that we've we've spoken about and we've seen you know a hundred times in the in the time he's been here, and it might just be to the point where the, the managers now look going well, just go, just you know we've got we yes they would need to replace him as we said before, but I think in in Roof Itten, I think Defoe obviously I think they've got enough in the short term um, to go and then look for another target but I think if he's that keen on leaving and if his agent is, is kind of punting all these stories that he's going here there and everywhere it might be the right time for them just to kind of cut their losses and, and let him leave Yeah and after 94 goals in, in four years and then they signed him for a million you make a profit that works doesn't it that's successful player recruitment Yeah of course I mean you know he's he's a top player but he's a top player when his, his head's right and his, when his mind's at it as you heard Stephen Gerrard say there that's they want the best version of Morelos. They don't want anything other than that. Um, and, you know, I mean, you talk about players' heads being turned. I mean, he'd be like, he's watching a tennis match, the amount of times his head's been turned. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, so I think, um, you know, I think everything considered, I think now would probably be a good time for them to let him move on. He will be a big loss to Rangers and they would have to replace him. But, you know, it gets to that point when, you know, enough is enough. Thanks for today. Good luck, Sunday. And that's it from us for the week on the Go Radio Football Show. Back Monday, live at five. The Go Radio Football Show. Talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five.